All right. Good morning, familia. Can you please do me a favor? Can you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Today we're going to be reading from the book of Genesis. We're going to be reading chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. If you are awake, could you please say amen? Amen. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem, or Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To you, offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8. For there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord, and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning. This is your word. We are only transformed by the power of your word. Please use it. You said this morning, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say, you may take a seat. All right, so last week we started our summer series, which is based on the life of Abraham, one of the central figures in the history of Christianity. Now, if you know anything about the life of Abraham, you might remember that Abraham's life was kind of complicated. He experienced quite a few uh, challenges in his spiritual walk. But what makes Abraham uh, a person worth of our attention and imitation is that regardless of what he went through, regardless of what God asked of him, Abraham always remained faithful. And he finished his race well. That's why we got to pay attention to this person. Because regardless of what he went through, he was faithful all the way to the end. Now, the question we got to ask the test is, how did he do it? Well, I think that the answer is because Abraham was a man of purpose. Abraham understood that God had called him to do something, and that was the driving force behind everything he did. Now, you got to pay attention to that because we are all 
uh, called by God for something. Every single one of us have a purpose and a call. We all participate in the kingdom of God somehow. Therefore, I want us to really think about this, and these are my three points for today. We're going to talk about Abraham's call to see what is it that God asked him to do. We're going to talk about the cost. What is it that God requested of him? And number three, what, was, what is it that he had that allowed him to live life the way he was supposed to? What is it that he had that allowed him to finish the race well? Well, let's go with the first point, the call. Um, and I want to give you a little bit of context, uh, especially for those uh, that might not be familiar with this story. The first three, the first chapters of the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, is when we find God's intention for this creation. And we can see there that God created human beings to have a relationship with him. And he gave these human beings the task of help creation flourish. That's really important. God created human beings to have a relationship with him. And God gave the task to these human beings to help creation flourish. We also see in the book of Genesis um, that sin enters the world and everything that God commanded of human beings now is being destroyed. Now, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor uh, Will talking about sin and what sin does. He described how human beings, when walked away from God, instead of living according to God's design, they wanted to be their own gods. Instead of thinking about this creation in the proper way, they started to destroy creation and abuse creation. Now, when we get to Genesis chapter 12, which is the text that we just read today, God is almost, you could say, starting over again. God's plan now is to raise another generation that would actually fulfill his purposes. And that's why he chose Abraham. Now, when we read the text, his name is Abraham, which means father. Later on, his name is changed to, changed to Abraham, which means fathers of many. I'm going to call him Abraham because that's the name that is used the most in the Bible. Now, it's important that you understand first that when God called Abraham... God did not choose Abraham because he was awesome. you got to keep that in mind. God did not call Abraham because there was no one like, like him. Not at all. Actually, we know that Abraham was just another sinner living in a sinful world. The reason why I could say that is because Joshua chapter 24 describes Abraham as someone that worshipped other gods. God did not choose this man because there was something special in him. God did not choose this man because he had the right qualifications or the right talents or the right skills. No, 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 no. Not at all. God chose this man. God decided to start over with this man because God is a God of grace. Period. God chose Abraham. Not because he was this expert that could get things done. But God chose Abraham because he was a broken, limited, sinful person. And he will use that man to display his glory and his power. 
Let me tell you why is it that you know, why is it that you need to know that? Because God is an expert in using people that others despise. God is an expert in using people that nobody else wants. That's Christianity 101, people. So if you consider yourself to be a broken person, a sinful person, a person that doesn't have it all together, that don't have all the skills necessary to be successful, good news, people, you qualify. Because if Abraham qualified and God used him, God makes you qualify and God uses you. God did not call Abraham because he was awesome. God called Abraham because he was not. Now, everything with the story of Abraham starts with one word, actually. A very, very important word. And it's the word go in verse 1. Now, the word go has double meaning in the text. Actually, it has two different translations, you could say. I'm going to give you the first one here, and later on I'm going to give you the second definition. But the first definition of the word go here can literally be translated as leave or to get out. But it's not just to, to get out of a place, but to get out of yourself. The first thing that God is doing to Abraham is calling him to deny himself, to lose himself, to die to himself. This is what would determine Abraham's success. He understood right from the beginning that it will be impossible for anyone to fulfill God's call for your life, his or her life, unless you learn first to deny yourself. The theologian D.A. Carson, which is one of the professors in Trinity, here down in, Deer, in Deerfield, he tells this story about this young man uh, that converted really early in Christianity. And he was one of these bright, bright young people. Very quick, he was learning a scripture. Very quick, he was teaching a scripture. Very quick, he became a man of influence in his church. Very quick, he became a doctor. Very quick, he became a missionary. Very quick, he got married and had a couple of kids. But when he went to this foreign country, he met another woman. And he fell in love with her. And he dropped Everything in a second. No reasoning, no explanations. He just did it. Nobody could explain why. Well, D.A. Carson wanted to know what happened. So he asked one of his closest friends, do you know actually what happened to him? And this is what this young man said. Everything my friend did, he did it because he wanted to. He wanted to become a Christian, so he became a Christian. He wanted to get married, so he got married. He wanted to have kids, so he had kids. He wanted to be a leader in the church, so he became a leader in the church. He wanted to become a missionary, so he became a missionary. He wanted to become a doctor, so he became a doctor. He always did what he wanted. He never had to deny himself. And because he never learned how to deny himself... He was not willing to deny himself with this woman. And I want you to listen to that really well because it is possible to do everything right 
and never learn to deny yourself. Never learn to get out of yourself. See, there's a difference between agreeing with God and obeying God. I hope you know the difference. You could agree with everything that God says, but it doesn't mean that you obey everything that God says. See, when I was a little kid, I agreed with everything my mom said. I agreed with her when she says that I should clean my room. I agreed with her that, that, that I had to brush my teeth. I agreed that I was supposed to take a shower. But did I take a shower all the time? Of course not. Did I brush my teeth all the time? Of course not. Did I clean my room all the time? Of course not. Because there's a difference between agreeing with a person and obeying a person. So listen to the words of uh, Daniel Doriani, which is a theologian from Covenant Theological Seminary. This is what he says. If we truly confess that Jesus is Lord, we must also be willing to bend our will to his. Even if his directives seem unpleasant and foolish to us. The test of loyalty, the test of our submission to the Lord, come when his will crosses our will. We truly obey God whenever we obey a command that requires painful and strange actions. You are called if you are a Christian, and if you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you are called to give up your independence. Happy Fourth of July. We are called to give up our independence, to get out of ourselves. Abraham learned that really quick. And that's what made a difference in his life. Get out of yourself. All right, that's the first point in the call. Now let's talk about the cost. And this is where things are going to get complicated. I told you that the word go has a second meaning. And it actually means to let go. To go means to let go. And God calls Abraham to let go of three things. To let go of his comfort. Hello? To let go of his preferences. Hello? And to let go of his security. Comfort, preferences, and security. The reason why I know that that's what happened there is because that's what we see in, verses one, in verse 1. Look what it says. The Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Now, the word comfort, I'm getting it from the first word, the word country. It is important here uh, that you understand that Abraham was living in a place that was, uh, you could say, uh, full of luxury, uh, a place that was in style, a place that was full of successful people, a place of abundance. That's where Abraham was living at the time of his call. Now, there was nothing wrong with being in that place. There's nothing wrong with certain level of luxury. There's nothing wrong with people being in style. There's nothing wrong with certain level of success. And there's nothing wrong with certain level of abundance. But this is what God knew about Abraham. He knew that Abraham could be tempted to compromise his calling in the name of comfort. And I want to be really honest here because I think that that's part of the struggle with modern Christians today. I think that part of our struggle 
is that sometimes we are so much in love with the comfortable lives we live that sometimes we are willing to compromise our call in the name of comfort. Listen to what this author said. Today, the greatest challenge facing American evangelicals is not persecution from the world. It's not that we're being persecuted, our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is the seduction by the world. I don't want you to feel guilty about the things you have. I don't want you to feel guilty about the success you have. But this is what I want you to do, though. I want you to hold everything you are and everything you have with open hands. My invitation to you is that the attitude of your heart is to say, Lord, you give me, you take away. I do like what I have, but if I have to let it go, I let it go. Every great call requires to let go of your comfort. Every great call requires that you get uncomfortable. Christianity by nature is uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable. Now the second word here, the word people, is important as well. Here Abraham is calling, God is calling Abraham to let go of his ethnic preferences. This is, this is, this is extremely important in people. Because right from the beginning, we can see that Christianity uh, always invites people to embrace who they are, but at the same time to remember that we are first Christians and then everything else. Let me say that again. That we are first Christians and then everything else. If you are a Christian, if you have you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your ethnicity, your preferences in ethnicity becomes a second thing. Your first thing is who you are in Jesus. Let, let me put it this way. I'm a very proud person of being a Latino. I, I, I don't apologize for it. I don't excuse, I don't try to fix my accent, I, I don't try to change the way, I, I, I don't care. The reason why I'm a very proud person of being a Latino is because the Lord made me that way. That was not my issue. That was his issue. I love anything and everything that has to do with Latino culture. I think that we have the best food in the world. I don't care if you agree or disagree, but it's true. I think that we got the best music. I think that our women are the most beautiful women in the world. Uh, some of the guys here, amen. <laughs> I'm a very, I, I love being Latino. I have no excuses for it, but this is what I always remember. That that's second to me. What is first to me is that I'm a Christian. And that when I find myself surrounded by people that are not Latinos, as long as they're Christian, that's family. That comes before anything and everything else. God called Abraham to do that. If you want to fulfill God's call for your life, you're going to have to put your racial and ethnic preferences to the side. You're going to have to. 
So this week I had the beautiful blessing to spend a couple of weeks with our junior high and high school uh, mission trips, as you saw in the video. Um, so I spent a couple of days with junior high and a couple of days and a few days with the, with the high school ministry. Um, and I got to see for two weeks almost, for two weeks almost, these kids interacting with one another. By the way, this is the first time that WBC kids, IDP, Iglesia del Pueblo students, and uh, TBC, uh, Tri-Village students, come together and they do this mission trip together. Um, and I got to see these kids serving one another and loving one another and interacting with one another. And I got to hear their testimonies. And I got to hear what the Lord was doing in them and through them. And all this time I'm thinking, that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to be. Listen, our, our white kids stopped, didn't stop being white. Our Latino kids did not stop being Latinos. Our Asian kids did not stop being Asian. But they learned how to do life together. They learned how to do mission together. They learned how to love the Lord together. If you want to fulfill God's call for your life, you got to learn how to do that. You know what's crazy? To do that, you must have interactions with people that are not like you. You must have interactions with people that are not like you. Now, the third thing that the Lord calls Abraham to do is to let go of his security. Now, that's what he means when he says, leave your father's household. Now, Abraham is part of a traditional culture. And if you know anything about traditional cultures, you know that for a traditional culture, the most important thing is the family, blood family. Meaning that if you want to be somebody, you got to pay attention to your family. Meaning that if you want to feel secure, you got to stick around with your family. Meaning that you, uh, if you want to uh, have great accomplishments in life, you got to stick around with your family. In this culture, at that time, your family provided financial security, emotional security, and relational security. In that kind of culture, the community comes before the individual. And that's not necessarily bad. That's actually a really good thing. The problem, though, is that if you, the problem for Abraham would be is that because he, if, he, if he wouldn't let go of his family, he would confuse his family with security. And what God wanted to teach him is that if he wanted to fulfill his call, he was going to have his, his, uh, his security only in God. That if he wanted to fulfill his call, he was going to have to trust God as his ultimate security. Not career, not success, not health, not looks, not nothing. Only God. Was this easy for Abraham? Of course not. When God calls you, it's never easy. When God calls you to do something, it's never easy. God calls these men to deny himself. God called these men to sacrifice comfort. God called these men to be willing to sacrifice everything that was good. God called him to put his ethnic preferences to the side. God called him to find his ultimate security in God and God alone. Was this easy? Of course not. 
Now, don't forget that he was a 75-year-old man. He was not a young man, you know. He was not no teenager that can afford mistakes. We also know that his wife, Sarah, which that will be her name later on, she could not have children. This had to be hard for this man. You're going to give me a great, you're going to give me a generation, a great nation? How would that happen? Was this easy for Abraham? Of course not. He didn't even know where he was supposed to go. Look at here in verse 1. The Lord tells him, I'm going to show you the land. You know how crazy that is? The Lord calls him to sacrifice all these things, and he doesn't even know where he's going to go. Now, I want you to notice something here really important. Because Abraham finds out where he's going to go after he took a step of faith. You see that in verse 7. In verse 7, he says, to your offspring, I will give this land. And the reason why I'm putting emphasis on that is because I want you to know that part of our problem, even if you genuinely want to live for God, even if you genuinely want to obey God, if you want God to show you beforehand if you want God to show you the details, if you want God to show you the plan, if you want God to show you what's ahead of you, before you make a decision, you will never, ever fulfill your purpose. Because faith requires to let go, even if you don't know where you're going. How many of you guys think that that's really hard? Please raise your hand. All right, how many of you guys think that this is really easy? Please, please raise your hand so we could pray for you. Of course, this is hard. Christianity is supposed to be hard, and yet so beautiful. How did he do it? How is it that Abraham was willing to do what he did? Because the story tells us that he actually obeyed. He let go of himself, he let go of his nation, he let go of his land, he let go of his people, he let go of his family. How did he do it? Well, let's go to point number three, the power. Um, I'm going to show you some of the most uh, popular, famous verses that people read when we talk about Abraham. It's actually verse 2. Because we know that the Lord tells him that he's, he's going to make of him a great nation. We know that God tells him that he's going to bless him. He know, we know that God says that he was going to have a great name. And that we know that he says that he's going to be a great blessing to many, many people. And we know in verse 3 that God says that, he was, that God will bless you. That will bless, God will bless those that will bless him. And he will curse those that will curse him. Protection. And then he makes the ultimate promise. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a beautiful promise. There's a tendency to think that the reason why Abraham obeyed, there's a tendency to think that the, that the reason why Abraham was willing to step out in faith was because God promised all of these things. Listen, and maybe that's part of the reason. 
But Abraham in the, in the Bible is not known because he was a man of success. That's, why not, that's not what makes Abraham so special. You know what drove Abraham to do the crazy thing he did? It was not the future blessings. It was not the promises. It was not the reward. It had to be something more. Abraham in the Bible is known as the friend of God. And he's declared as a man that was a friend of God because he was a man of faith. This is what that means. That he trusted God more than everything else. And that he trusted his word more than anything else. So I think that we should read these verses in a different way. I think that the focus of the verses is the I will. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those that curse you. I will. I will. I will. This is what moved this man to be so radical. He trusted God's word. David Platt, which is a pastor in a very, very large church in the United States, Washington today, he recently told his church this. And I thought that it would be good, a good thing for us to hear. This is what he told his very, 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 very large church. What if we take away the cool music and the comfortable chairs? What if the screens are gone and the stage is no longer decorated? What if the air conditioning is off and the comforts are removed? Would his word still be enough for his people to come together? Will, would his word still be enough for his people to come together? If you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you must love, you must trust, and you must rest in the powerful, eternal, sufficient word of God. Only the word of God. That's the power. That's the power. How about if I tell you that we have something even better than what Abraham had? How about if I tell you that we have a double power? Because we got to see and we get to see something that Abraham never got to see. You know what verse 3 is all about, right? And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This verse is about Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 says that this verse is about Jesus. See, Jesus, it, is, it is because of Abraham that we have Jesus. It is from Abraham that we have Jesus. And it is in Jesus that all the nations of the world through him are blessed. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 says, that Christians in Jesus have received 
all the spiritual blessings, meaning that you have been adopted, you are a child of God, that you have been sanctified, you have been separated for God, that you have been justified, you have been declared innocent, you have been forgiven, you have been accepted, you have been loved. All the spiritual blessings, all this, what this was promised here, was finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the better Abraham. You know how we do it to fulfill our call. You know what we need to do to fulfill our call. We need to embrace the better Abraham. The one that was also called to live. To live his home, to live his family, and to go into a foreign land. We ought to embrace the better Abraham. The one that was called to leave his father's house in heaven to come to earth. We are called to embrace this better Abraham that was willing to deny himself and sacrifice comfort. We are called to see in this better Abraham, Jesus, how different he was. Because instead of being blessed, when he was fulfilling his call, he was cursed. That's why he went to the cross. Cursed is a man that is nailed to a cross, the Bible says. Our blessing is because he was cursed. We ought to embrace the better Abraham, the one that instead of having a great name, he became nothing. He humbled himself. He became nothing. So in him, we become something. See, all the I wills of God can only be fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. That's the power. The reason why you have everything that you need to fulfill God's purposes is because you have his word and you have what the word talks about, the person of Jesus. The I wills of God always are yes in Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. One of the theologians that have influenced me the most, modern theologians that have influenced me the most is J.I. Packer. He's 92 right now. Uh, and in a recent interview, um, he was talking about his wife, Rita. And Rita is starting to lose uh, her mind and her memory. And this is what he says. Rita is worried that as she loses her memory, she will forget Jesus. But I remind her, says J.I. Packer, that what matters is not that you remember him but that he remembers you. That's your family. That's your comfort. That's your preference. That's your security. Can Christians live a radical life today? Yes, we can. Can we respond to God's call to our lives? Yes, we can. Just let go. Let go and see what the Lord does in you and through you. Amen? Can we pray? My beautiful Savior, we know that the only reason why we're here the only reason why we are here today is because you are the greater Abraham. 
the only reason why we are Christian, if we are Christian, is because you let go of yourself. You let go of your comfort. You let go of your preferences. And you let go of your security. That's the only reason. Because you, that's the reason why you went to the cross. Lord, and we know that you have beautiful plans for this creation. And we know, Lord, that you are restoring things in creation. And we know, Lord, that you are making all things new again. And my prayer, Lord, for IDP, for I, WBC, for IDP and TVC. My prayer for our church, Lord, is that we may become people more and more that responds to your call. And that we live radical lives in such a way that we fulfill what you have called us to be. Please make it happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say...